Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everyone. Hopefully you guys hear me. Make sure this is working. Please have transpired a little bit differently this morning. Uh, having some technical challenges. Um, hey, at least it's working. So, Randy's here, but he's not able to sing because we don't have the audio set up that we usually do. Um, we have some video announcements, but we aren't able to just put them into the feed, and so they are on the YouTube channel. I uh, hope that you guys will go back and listen to those. Brian and Alex put those together and did an amazing job. Unfortunately, can't just sync it into here, but it is on the channel. And so I do want to encourage you to listen to those things, but to remind you of the things that they shared, we are having the take two uh, Instagram live tonight at five meditative prayer Wednesday at 10 AM. And most, I think importantly, the new news is next week we are going to allow some people to come here and join us. Um, you might be asking who it is those who will donate. No, it's just kidding. Um, it is. For, it's okay. You can laugh. That, that hopefully was funny. Um, we're just going to, if you put your name on the list and maybe you have your family, you want to go. So the family of four, whatever, uh, email us at info at the and put Sunday morning and leave us. If you check your email regularly, we will email you back. If you don't, leave your phone number and we will call you and let you know and what those 10 people are. And we will continue rotating those people as time goes on and hopefully more and more people can come until we are all meeting here again together. I know this week they opened up hair salons again. My niece was very happy about that. So many other businesses are beginning to open up again. And so we want to step into this carefully. We are going to ask that you wear a mask. If you're gathering here together, and again, we are going to separate everyone just to be safe. But next week, if you would like to join us here live, uh, put your name in on the email, and we will get in touch with you to let you know uh, which 10 people can make it. And again, if you're going to have a family here, put everyone in the family or how many people you want to have attend with you, and we'll do what we can to get you here, and we'll just keep going through that list so that everyone can join in. If you're not comfortable, of course, you don't have to be here. And if you are not feeling well or sick, again, uh, don't come. So I I think that's it. Again, look at the video announcements. Uh, Brian and Alex did an amazing job. That's much better than what I'm doing here. But 
we're going to push on. And hopefully everything goes well and nothing dies between now and uh, this is over. Especially me. Um, anyway, we are looking at the book of Daniel, and we've been going through a series called Unmoved, and so rightfully titled because we see in Daniel this not only figure of a person who is not moved by all the different kingdoms that he was a part of, but we see that the kingdom of God itself is not moved by the kingdoms of man. And before we move forward, let's pause and let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time where we are able to get together through the YouTube live. Lord, even though Randy wasn't able to sing and, and things aren't as we would like them to be, we trust that you are going to work through the time we have together to, to bring about something that is impactful to our lives. And, and I pray that for myself and everyone who is watching, who will be listening on podcasts later. Um, God, may this be useful in your hands in our lives. We do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, remember when we started the book of Daniel, we talked about how Chapters 1 through 6 were really about Daniel and his friends, and chapters 7 through 12 are about Daniel and his visions of the future. We also saw that chapter 1 was written in Hebrew, and chapters 2 through 7 were written in Aramaic, and now chapters 8 through 12 go back to Hebrew. And there's been a lot of speculation of to why uh, that is, and, and it is all speculation. We don't know. And so when someone says, hey, this is the reason, it's really what we guess. Um, there's no certainty in these things. I mean, some of the ideas of why it is happening this way is that the book was written by different people, and so they had different times and different languages that they used in the writing. Um, that it was written to appeal and to introduce a, a large group of people, so not just the Hebrew people, but the people who might read this, who weren't Hebrews, who read or understood Aramaic. It also could be figuratively showing that Israel is going into a place of captivity, and the Aramaic portions show that captivity, but then it goes back to a Hebrew language, which would be symbolic of them returning even into their own land. And all these things that we've been looking at, there is so much figurative language in this. Uh, we saw the last chapter that it is now written before chapter five, right? We, we saw that now he's talking about in the first year of Belshazzar in chapter seven here, we're going to see in verse 1, in the third year of Belshazzar. And, and both of those are before chapter 5, where the writing on the wall was the end of Belshazzar and his, his reign. And so, again, this book is written not in a chronological order, but in a very figurative and illustrative manner, right? We, we saw the dream 
and the vision that Daniel had in chapter 2 and 7, they're telling us to be patient, to wait, that even though these kingdoms of men are here and are, are ruling and are vicious, there is another kingdom that is going to come, and those kingdoms will be humbled by, by the kingdom, God's kingdom, and these other kingdoms aren't to be looked at as enduring, right? That's kind of the, the message here. And there's clear similarities in chapter 2 and in chapter 7, and then we're going to see even here in chapter 8. In chapter 2, we have the head of gold that represented Babylon, and, and in chapter 7, we have a lion with wings of an eagle. Chapter 2, there was the chest and arms of silver. In chapter 7, there was a bear raised on one side with three ribs in its mouth. Chapter 2, there was the belly of bronze or brass. Chapter 7, a leopard with four wings and four heads. And then finally, chapter 2, the legs of iron. And in chapter 7, four beasts, terrifying, dreadful, and exceedingly strong. And then in chapter 2, we had a rock not cut with human hands that came and leveled this statue and then grew and overtook the earth. And in chapter 7 we see that there was the Son of Man and the people of God who were set up to reign. And so there is this very parallel comparison in these dreams from Nebuchadnezzar and in the vision of Daniel. And in chapter 8, we've seen something similar. And again, it starts off in the third year of the king reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, after that which appeared to me at the first. And so again, we are now chronologically before chapter 5. And the vision we have today echoes in a large part the latter portion of what we was in Daniel's dream in chapter 7. We're going to read through this and then go through the interpretation because we have an interpretation and, and we'll talk a little bit about it. Verse 2 says, and I saw in the vision, and when I saw, I was in Susa, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision, and I was at the Yulal Canal. I raised my eyes and saw, and behold, a ram standing on the bank of the canal. It had two horns, and both horns were high, but one was higher than the other. And the higher one came up last. I saw the ram charging westward and northward and southward. No beast could stand before him. And there was no one who could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. Now we're going to see this is the Median Persian Empire. And even as the bear was expressed in chapter 7, was raised on one side, similar to these horns, there was a strength in one of these empires that again, began to conquer in all these directions. Verse 5, it continues. And as I was considering, behold, a male goat came from the west across the face of the whole earth without touching the ground. And the goat had conspicuous, conspicuous horn between his eyes. He came to the ram with the two horns, which I had seen standing on the bank of the canal, and he ran at him in his powerful wrath. I saw him come close to the ram, 
and he was engaged against him and struck the ram and broke his horns. And the ram had no power to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled on him. And there was no one who could rescue the ram from his power. Then the goat became exceedingly great. But when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And instead of it came up four conspicuous horns towards the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. It grew great, even to the host of heaven. And some of the host and some of the stars it threw down to the ground and trampled on them. It became great, even as great as the prince of the most, as prince of the host. And the regular burnt offering was taken away from him, and the place of his sanctuary was overthrown, and the host will be given over to it together with the regular burnt offerings because of transgressions, and it will throw truth to the ground, and it will act and prosper. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another one, another holy one said to the one who spoke, For how long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering, the transgression that makes desolate, and the giving over of the sanctuary and host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, For two thousand three hundred evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary shall be restored to its rightful state. All these things that are being talked about here, the illustrations, the the figurative language, it, it makes me wonder why. And when we went through the book of Revelation, we saw that John was trying to capture the imagination of the people who were undergoing persecution. Remember, there there is no TV. There is no, you know, uh, social media. There was no way to connect the way we do today, but these stories was their big screen, right? This this way of telling a story was the way of engaging people to imagine what is happening. And that's what I see happening here in Daniel. We're trying to incite our imaginations to see these kingdoms and what is going to take place. Last week, we talked about how at the time of Christ, through the various writings, that the interpretation of Daniel 7 was seen to be actually leading up to Rome. And what we see here is more connected to where Daniel is currently. Remember, Babylon has now been conquered by the Medes and Persians, and this is where he is writing. And so he's giving us this insight, but why the flashback, right, to four chapter five to the flash forward? Why the change of languages? <clears throat> there seems to be a, a thematic presentation taking place and, and not just an informational one. And I think that's where we have a hard time sometimes. We, we want information and we think that information, having the right information will give us what we need to move forward. But sometimes it, it's not the information that we need, it's the inspiration. And sometimes information is unable to give us 
the inspiration that we need. It's the spirit of God provoking us and evoking our imaginations to, to see him in the midst of a circumstance that is dreary, to, to understand his presence, even though we don't feel his presence, to, to awaken a sense that there is more going on that meets the eye. And it's an invitation to step into these things. And I think that is why we have this seesaw, just incredible illustrations being presented. Maybe with each illustration that's presented, more of the picture can be seen. Which each of these examples, these beasts and these images and horns which represent power and, and war horns which might represent kings or or others, but we'll see here. It's all trying to give us a clearer picture of how broad this is and how emotional and powerful it is, as we're going to again see here in a little bit. And this repetitive thing can't be missed, right? It's the constant, the strong image, the gold, the, the brass, silver, iron, the, the different beasts, and here the the ram and the goat and the horns, and we see strong, violent kingdoms of men. And then we see a contrast, the kingdom of God. And that's important that we recognize these things and see what is taking place here. Notice in verse 12, it says, And a host will be given over to it altogether with the regular burnt offerings because of transgression, and it will throw truth to the ground, and it will act and prosper. Throwing truth to the ground. How does anything have the power to throw truth to the ground? What a, a powerful picture this is. That, you see, this is more than just historical events or or future events that are taking place. This is something that deals with truth. This is something that deals with more than just the material. This is something that deals with life itself and how we are to engage in life. And it's important to see that these concepts, you know, a beast throwing truth to the ground evokes all kinds of emotion. And what if we saw things in this realm? What if we didn't just see someone as misleading or something as, you know, wrong, but we saw it actually shaping how we live, throwing truth to the ground. We get an interpretation of the vision in verse 15. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli, and it called, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, O son of man, 
Remember that title used in the previous chapter, that the vision is for the time of the end. And so now he's pushing forward. Now, those words are so haunting. The time of the end. Oh, my gosh. We we think of so many things, at least I do. You know, there's whole movie series that we've watched and book series and last days things and all these things that we've kind of been talking about that come into mind. And so we have to, again, wonder, what does he mean, the time of the end? Is it the end of all things? Is it the end of the kingdoms of men? Is it the end of Daniel and where he's at and the kingdoms that he's involved? There's all these questions that come into this that make us wonder, right? I, I, I hesitate when I hear things presented with such certainty. There are some things that are going to be very clearly explained that we can really grasp our hands around, but then there's other things that just don't quite fit some of the scenarios we'll see. And verse 18, he goes on, he says, And when he had spoken to me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and made me stand up. He said, Behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation, for it refers to the appointed time of the end. As for the ram that you saw with the two horns, these are the kings of Media and Persia, and the goat is the king of Greece, and the great horn between his eyes is the first king. So we're getting real clear description of what's taking place here, right? We've got the, the Medan Persian Empire, and then we have the Grecian Empire. And this is where Alexander the Great comes in, the Great Horn. And even as this goat just kind of floated, it said, just came across the ground as if he didn't touch the ground. It talks about how quickly Alexander the Great conquered and how quickly that empire spread and began to take all these things in to conquer and totally wipe out the Mede and Persian Empire and others around them. Verse 22, As for the horn that was broken in place, of which four others arose, four kingdoms shall arise from his nation, but not with his power. And so now we have four kingdoms, it says. A lot of people interpret this to be four generals, four people who became part of this kingdom, but none, none of them had the strength that Alexander had. Again, now we're going into this realm of, okay, we think this means this because of what we historically know. Remember, when you are living at this time, many of these things, like those political cartoons that you see, that you know who it is and what it means, especially if you live at that time, have a great meaning to you. Just as in the book of Revelation, all those figures and those descriptions would mean something to the people when they talk about eagles and they talk about lions. There's definitely meaning to them because they are identifying these things. And the same thing is happening here with these illustrations. And so perhaps it's these four generals that came up with never as great as Alexander. That's what most people believe. And it goes on later and he says, and at the latter end of the kingdom, when the transgressions have reached their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles, shall arise. His power shall be great, 
but not by his own power. And he shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he does and destroy mighty men and the people who are the saints. Many believe that this is Antiochus Epiphanes who, who came in the Grecian Empire and, and his name means glory. He, he presented himself as God. And, and when he came into Jerusalem, he, he went into the temple and he desecrated. He offered a pig on the altar, and it was considered desecrated and unholy, where they could no longer use it because it was unclean. And so all these ideas of truth being thrown to the ground and not being able to have burnt offerings seems to imply that this is when it was happening, is when this took place. And this was an event that was very much printed into the Hebrew mind. This was a 9-11 kind of event, right? This was the kind of thing that the nation would remember. And as Antiochus Epiphany would come in, it is estimated that he wiped out hundreds of thousands of Jews. So, so imagine something this cataclysmic happening to your homeland, to your sacred spaces, to the places of worship, the places where your God was, this is something that would be not easily forgotten and definitely talked about. And this bold understanding that he has, this power, but it's not his own power, it's his interest. He shall cause fearful destruction and succeed in what he does and destroy mighty men and the people who are the saints. He is not attacking just a nation. He is attacking their faith. He is attacking who they are as a people who believe in God. He is cutting to the root of who they are. Lozani says, The vision of the evening and the mornings that has been told is true, but seal up the vision for it refers to many days from now. Now, remember, there was the talk of all those days and evenings, right? 2,300 evenings and mornings. And there's been all kinds of speculation as to what that means. Some people took it to mean years. There were people who predicted when Jesus was going to come based on those numbers. Um, some trying to connect it to the event of Antiochus Epiphanes. There's just a lot of things we don't know clearly about what is happening there that are very interesting that jump out to us, but we kind of just grasp for them, unable to fully retain what's happening. But the vision of the evenings and mornings that has been told is true, seal it up, it refers to many days from now. So he's talking about a future event from himself. All these kingdoms, here we have two that are named that were specific to the time of Daniel. But in chapter 2 and in chapter 7, we have those kingdoms and more. As we said last week, they believed it referred to Rome. And so I believe we could take this passage and say, yeah, this does refer to the Medes and Persians and, of course, Greece, because that's what it says, and thereby Alexander the Great and leading into Antiochus Epiphanes, because those are all very regional and at that time, 
and very specific even in the desecration of the temple, which seems to fit what everything is happening here that we're reading. I, I believe that's what Daniel is writing about. But I also believe that the reason it's written in such figurative language is because it can represent more. Even as we saw last week, they believed it represented Rome and how Rome was asserting themselves over the Jewish people. And then we have the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And it's interesting because we don't really have empires like we did after Rome. And that's a curious thing because then we have in that vision of chapter two, we have the clay and iron mixed in, which is more kind of a national thing or nations rather than empires. Uh, again, there's so many things that we can think about here and, and go to. And I think we should. I think our minds should be imaginative. I think we should try and see all these things. What I don't think we should be is dogmatic. I, I don't think we should say this is what it means because we just don't have a lot of information. But we have enough to tell us that something is going on in our world, that there is a force that is trying to, to destroy truth. There is, there is something that is trying to take away the things that are sacred. There, there is something that is combating what God is doing. And at the very end in verse 27, it says, And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I arose and went about the king's business. But I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. Daniel was so troubled by what he was seeing, by, by the destruction, by the desecration, by his belief and what was sacred being disregarded. And I, I think that is always something that is taking place in one way or another. And it's important for us to understand that there is more going on here than just the physical things that take place. There, there is a spirit that works through people that accomplishes these kinds of things. And, and it would be real easy to look at kingdoms and empires and say, oh, there's a evil spirit, it's the devil working in this empire to destroy these things and not back it all the way up to the individuals, right? I, I, I had, um, Corrine and I went and had uh, some time with Daniel and Courtney uh, Friday night. We had some pizza and some drinks at their porch sitting outside. We missed them, hadn't seen them for a long time. And we were outside, I don't know, for a few hours and it was hot. It is hot. And so I had shorts on, and when we got home, I realized how many mosquitoes had feasted on my ankles. I don't know why they go for the ankles, but they go for the ankles. Maybe there's no hair down there. I don't know what it is. Someone would probably have a study on that. But I, I probably have like 10 mosquito bites on just my ankles. Um, and it's amazing that something so small can be so dangerous. We know that mosquitoes spread malaria and in some countries, Haiti and others, it, it devastates the population. But this little insect, this little thing it, is so powerful. 
And we'd be amiss to think of things just in empires, just in huge nations, just in the big or the great, and not recognize the, the small details that snowball into the great. You see, it is the spirit of the person that becomes corrupted, becomes twisted, becomes egocentric, that becomes narcissistic, that begins to do these things. And then it's easy for us to look at people like Antiochus Iphnes or uh, uh, Stalin or a Hitler, or you can fill in the blanks with the people who you think are just uh, atrocious and say, these evil people and not again understand the little things that creep in to our lives and to our hearts that start to trample truth in our lives, that, that start to change how we see and how we live and what we care about. We'd rather save $5 on the shirts we buy, and so we'll buy them not caring that they were made in sweatshops in India or other countries, that the people are at risk who are actually making these clothes just so we can get them cheap. We, we lose that side, and we just think, oh, I got a deal. It was on sale, and we don't know and maybe we don't even want to know what the real cost is because it's too great. And, you know, we, we don't think anything about some of the things that take place around us and how they affect so many people. It, to us, is just a convenience. We, we don't think about how much surplus we have even in what we are able to produce, how we can feed the world, but we care more about money than we do about feeding people, that we care about prosperity. We have programs about hoarding. And if you've seen some of those programs or if you've known some people like that, it's unbelievable. Why does someone need to hoard those things, that many different objects, this mentality of I need and I have to accumulate, this mentality of consuming, 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 that we don't think of how it affects other people who do not have as much or what we consume and how we consume it, how it affects other people, whether it be environmentally or even socially or even the people who have to work to provide the things that we need. To stay in a place of power, we maintain these things and it's always the people who are in power that want to hold on to the power that start to use that power to keep what they have, even sometimes at the expense of others. And maybe we don't realize that mosquito has bit our soul and it's part of how we think. And, and it's less concerned about others. And it's more concerned about ourselves. And, and there are so many areas like this, right? Whether it be 
in human trafficking and pornography, whether it be in the environment and the use of textile things and just the amount of waste that we have that just keeps surmounting and growing and growing. And no one cares because we just like convenience because we hate paper straws, right? The plastic straws came back, I guess, when COVID came. It's, we don't want to die of COVID, so we have to, anyway. There, there's just so many little things that start to eat at us that we don't see ourselves as part of this problem. It's always the empire. It's always the Alexanders. It's always the Antiochus. It's always the Hitlers. But they are people who were infected by this. We are people that are infected by this. Jesus said, if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. In other words, if we don't see clearly, we will see everything wrong. And and those are the things that terrify me. And when I, I read something like this, yeah, it's great to think about the, the history of it and the future and all these other things that could be. But to miss the point, Daniel was sick about these things. He wasn't excited. Oh boy, the end is coming. He wasn't thrilled about the devastation that he was seeing. It made him sick for days. And I wonder where is the heart that is sick for the things that happen? Where is the soul that is sick for days because of the events taking place in our world and how little is mentioned about it. We, we care more about movie stars and, and about the smallest of things when there are millions of refugees, men, women, and children without homes displaced all over the world, when there are people who are dying because of malnutrition, because of lack of clean water around us in this world, but it's not on our TVs, so it's not in our minds, so it's not in our hearts, and so it's not on our radar, and so truth is being trampled down because it's being overseen by a consumption that's haunting the soul of humanity. Daniel did not understand it. I don't understand it. And before I start casting the blame on all these different things or even the larger things, the, the devil and Satan and, and these powers that influence humanity, I need to look at myself and my heart and not be so quick to try and take the speck out of my brother's eye. I need to recognize that before I can throw a stone, I have no place to stand in that judgment. 
And, and so the challenge here, and, and as we're going to continue in Daniel, I think is not just to look at kingdoms, empires, but to look at the humanity that is underneath them. It'd be a tragedy if we only saw empires and didn't see that they were made of people. To see stories and not understand that they affected the destruction and death of people, millions of people throughout the ages. And it's happening still. Maybe not in the extent that it did here at this time, but in some places, probably so. In Syria and some of the other areas that are going through horrendous hardship, there's still this kind of story that should make us sick for days. And so I pray that we would have the insight to look at these stories that our imaginations would stir up within us and see how we can be like an Alexander the Great. Instead of conquering and hoarding and accumulate, be generous and giving and compassionate. What if that was the staple? What, what if that's what we were pursuing, instead of pursuing how I'm going to have enough for myself, for my family, how I'm going to be able to do all the things I want to do, what if as a nation we started thinking, how can we help those who are unable to help themselves? How can we reach those who are on the margins, those who are hurting? How can we extend goodness to the world? Maybe it'll cost us a few dollars more for that shirt. Maybe it'll be an inconvenience in the way we use things and consume things. Maybe we will have to give up some of our luxuries to help some people for a period of time. What if that was the cost to bring about change? Would I do it? Would we do it? I'd like to imagine what could happen like to imagine there being Alexander the Great, who looks like Mother Teresa. We'll never know how many lives she affected. It'll never be known all the people she influenced and the rippling effect that she had. Probably into the millions. She's not called Mother Teresa the Great. She's just Mother Teresa. I want to be. What kingdom do I want to be a part of? If that's the continual repetitive challenge for us in these visions. And the reason they're repeated is because I need to hear them over and over and over again so that I can learn from them, see myself in them. Let's pray. Father, may this chapter provoke us not to just think about the end, but to think about what is happening, what was happening that caused Daniel to become sick, to, to see how it was more than just physical things happening, that there was a spiritual battle taking place where truth was being cast down. And this isn't just local news truth, Lord, this 
This is truth of humanity, truth about who we are as people and what image we were created in, what we were created for. This is bigger than CNN or, or Fox. This is dealing with our souls, God. And I pray, Lord, that we would see how the little things can be so infectious, how they can be so consuming in our lives. May we not give in to those things that would bring about destruction for others. May we not care so little that we wouldn't want to know how what we do affects those even around the world. Lord, help us to again be a part of change. May even as that mosquito can affect and bring down the strongest of people, Lord, our efforts, empowered by your spirit, being able to bring about change and bring down the strongholds that we find ourselves in today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Well, everybody, hope you guys are blessed. Remember, if you want to come here next week, send in a request at info at the genesisstory.com. I really want to see you guys again, and hopefully it'll happen more soon. We love you. We miss you. And some things were a little bit different this morning. And we are going to continue changing the world. God bless you guys. We love you. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.